the past, the present, the future. This is Friday Night Fright. What the planet is listening to. Hello and welcome to episode 85 of Friday Night Fright and day number 8 of Comic Book Calvicadia. Day number 8? I guess it is. Wow, cool. Anyway, yep, so this is episode 85. Um, so this is going to be quite cool. This episode's dealing with uh, particularly interesting subjects today as part of Comic Book Calvicadia. So this episode's going to be dealing with 4-2 and the first episode of Agent Carter. So yeah, sounds quite cool, doesn't it? I I haven't seen Forty in a long time. Um, I remember it being bloody terrible when I saw it, but it has some horror, fantastical, grim fairy tale aspects that lend it way to an actual episode of Friday Night Fright and Path Combat Cavcadia, so it'll be good. And Agent Carter oh, well I thought Hayley Atwood was really good in Captain America and she's being a really good actress and some other stuff but she does a great job of Peggy Carter so it'll be interesting to see if that works as part of the series I don't know how many episodes I'm going to get through in terms of Comfort Cavcadia it'd be good to maybe get through two seasons but that's probably unlikely anyway I'll be back in a second to discuss some of my thoughts about 4, 2 and 4 and how I think the character progressed up to this point and how I felt watching it in time I can go a bit more in depth than it was bloody terrible so I'll be up just after a brief word from our sponsors so 4, 2 well I say it's bloody terrible in the opening bit but a bit more backstory so it's kind of calling when I saw this back in the day. It's kind of calling on Marvel Cinematic Universe because I wasn't terribly impressed by the Avengers or Iron Man 3. And I thought, well, I wanted to go and see every episode moving cinema, and I still do, uh, mostly. And so I thought, well, i got to see 4 too because I, I think Chris Hemsworth was good in 4 and the Avengers. And the flaws with the move with the movies weren't necessarily his fault. And I saw four two and this is just my reaction from back in the day. I thought they did very little with what he actually is good at because Chris Hemsworth is a funny, charming guy who should be in funny, charming adventures. He can act, don't get me wrong, but like I mean, even his best stuff like Rush is an element of charm to it, you know. He's playing off his perceived nature of his real life safe and his acting ability and it's a really really good movie and i thought four two did not do that oh it was grim it was serious it was boring it's really boring and the villains were shit so yeah um but maybe they'll change nowadays uh i i saw parts of iron man 3 i liked more than the first time i saw it my overreaction movie went up a little bit not too much but a bit so hopefully four two with benefit of hindsight would be a bit better um maybe it won't maybe it'll work in terms of the overall captain development more than did before as i'm watching these in quite quick sequential order and on disney plus in really high resolution so who knows anyway i'll be up to that in just a second oh that was bad <laughs> that was not good i i have to admit watching four two i zoned out a lot uh i was playing on my switch i was playing marvel midlines three because this movie is just, just not very interesting it's a low point for the mcu to in terms of the movies i've watched so far it's by far the lowest point i criticized iron man three but that did some interesting things with iron man building off the avengers 
going down route of the Batman often goes down in just the stories, especially in the initial ones, where it's this human man who gets seen at universes full of gods, monsters, demons, time travel, reality warping, and all of this stuff, and it breaks his mind. That's actually an interesting route for a comic character to go down. And the reinforcement of who Iron Man was, it wasn't just the suits, it was Tony Stark and the suits. And it was Tony Stark in general, regardless whether he has the suits or not, he is Iron Man. This movie didn't really go down that route. Um, Iron Man felt like a finale to the trilogy. This is not a trilogy. This is the second movie, so obviously 4 can't do quite as much to that. But honestly, like there was some stuff in there which will have resonance for later on, but there wasn't a lot. I think I should start by saying Malekith the villain is absolutely terrible. I mean, I get what they were going for. They wanted to portray a contrast of four force, charming and funny and adventurous and a bit of a roguish pirate. And Malekith is a bit shit. He's just stoic, matter-of-fact, dark ace character. And I think the problem is, I imagine they want you to get away from the idea of Tolkien and Lord of Rings and... The Aves having faint air of superiority, but in process they've done nothing. Christopher Eccleston at the time saying that he wanted to play this character as like a monster, a universal monster style villain, and uh, maybe that's the intent, but it didn't really succeed. It just makes you think, why bother casting Christopher Eccleston if you do nothing with him? Maybe Marvel would do better nowadays. They seem be, they do seem to have picked up pace villain-wise a bit. But yeah, it's just nothing. And when villain falls down, the movie struggle. I think Loki was in this movie too much. But I get why he was, because the Avengers was such a hit. And he's such a big part of it. And he's such a big part of them. For a story, you know, it's a bit like Magneto and Yetzman movies. If you go into a four movie, you need to have Loki in it. Um, and they put him in way too much. And I get where they were going for. They wanted to do the four out of the Avengers. And that's really interesting. So, like, this big movie, Loki, what Loki did in the Avengers does have to be addressed. And make it part of the movie. And making it a key part. And having those aspects in it is good. But there's still too much Loki. He's not the villain of the movie, you know, that's Malekith. If Loki is manipulating things on the sideline, that'd be fine, but he isn't, so... And it's also fattening the Avengers, Thanos says, wherever you go, Loki will find you, and there's no hint of that here. There's no worry. There's no panic. And it's just... The, the overall gist of it seems to be that they didn't really have a grasp yet of what Thanos was trying to do. Because surely Odin would be interested in who Loki was working for and why, and the fact that he had two magical objects on Earth and all of that, but he doesn't seem to really give a shit. It's like, and neither does four. Four knew Loki's working for someone, but it's never addressed here. Almost like this script was written before they finalised the Avengers and then he never updated it. Uh, since Odin, I I feel uncomfortable in this movie because I don't really get I get the impression that we sort of make think Odin's a warmonger and that's true, but at the same time it's almost like the movie wants us to sympathise with him a bit. But he's a horrible, horrible, godly being in this movie. He's just vile, like the stuff he does, the wording he uses. Like he's pretty awful in this movie, and his comment near the end of. I'm not like Mark if I'll win. That's really messed up. And um, Unscore's 
the biggest issue of these movies, Asgard kind of sucks in these four movies. It really does. And I think that's a problem. They wanted it. They wanted to be like this magical place, so that when four rebels against it, it would hit us harder. When we saw you see the young belly, but it's always been a bit crap. I think that's in the representation visualization of it. You see something like Middle Earth, and it's mythic and it's grandeur, but it's not kind of rubbish, I guess, or poorly designed. Doesn't feel like so. Huh. Doesn't really feel like they got a handle what they want Asgard to be. It's meant to be a fantastical place and nine rooms and all of that. But it doesn't really come across the way they intended, I don't think. It's not really very mythic. It's not really very interesting. It's a bit like on Doc 2 with um, Gallifrey. Gallifrey's boring. And the Time Lords are boring. And Doctor's interesting because he, he veers away from all of their stupid rules and all their crap. And Thor's the same way. Thor, I'm going to say this, it might sound controversial. Thor is more interesting anywhere other than Asgard. All this stuff about he will be king and all that stuff, it's not interesting because clearly the character does not want it and he's not suited for it. And the constant reinforcement of he should be king and then going back on that, it's like the Thor as king would be boring. I'm sure there could be super character who's also king and that be done really well and interesting. But these movies don't work for that because it's so outside our realm of knowledge as how there's no setup for how as guardians handle things for example politics wise or anything like that whereas if you have for example a character in charge of a fictional country on earth there'd be more diplomacy and plans and we'd understand the process but asgard we really don't and they also they were for on whether they're gods or not way too often so like we're not gods we're aliens as exemplified by jane saying you know I talk about how it's a splicing machine that she's in. They're like, it's a soul forge. And she's like, it's a splicer. And so, like, look, you don't need to keep throwing lines of dialogue in. You don't need to go, oh, this is like something we have on Earth. It's a fancy movie. Why can't it just be a soul forge? Why do you have to go, oh, human beings are getting close to this sort of technology? It's like, no one gives a shit. Stop trying to downplay the magical aspects of this franchise, you know? These are gods four is a god loki is a god odin's a god yes they may die but compared to humans they're they're gods they're not strictly aliens because four's power level and odin's power level loki's power level frigga's power level are so far beyond any other asgardians i mean heimdall sure he has some but most asgardians are just really really tough aliens you know really really tough beings the upper echelon of, like, society in these areas, they are pretty much gods. Like, the others are kind of like demigods. These are gods. Like, for the stuff four can do, like, literally whipping Malekith's ass all over the screen, that's god, that's godlike. Like, you know, clearly. And the whole alien thing just feels like a cop-out. Like, where we come from, science and magic is the same thing. No, they're not. They're not the same thing. Science and magic are not the same thing. That's don't, that's not how it works. Seriously, like, that annoys me. And think the rambling just because this movie's nothing. They hired guy Right, for example, here's another issue of the movie. They hired... Unlike the last movie with Kang of Bragnon, unlike the Avengers Joss Whedon, and unlike 
Iron Man 3 for Shane Black and Joe Johnson for Captain America and John Favreau for Iron Man, Iron Man 2. This movie they hired Alan Taylor, who directed some really good episodes of, um, was it Game of Thrones? Yeah, Game of Thrones. He did a really good job, but he's a TV director. He directs TV. He might direct visually interesting TV, but he doesn't necessarily come up with the stories or the plotting or anything like that. So you're giving him the script, and he's not bringing much to the table. I mean, you saw it with um, Terminator Genesis 2, where it was a really, really bad movie. Not shot badly, not visualized badly, but just, like, he doesn't bring any... If you give him good script, he can work off it, but if he doesn't have a good script, you know, you're, you're screwed. And that's a problem, because this was when... The first time they decided to try going away from the... O-tier aspect, I guess, where like it was almost like create committee for we'll get someone who'll do what we want them to do, but then they end up cutting loads of Alan Taylor's stuff. You know, he wanted to make by all accounts an even darker movie, which sounds stupid and terrible because you know this four was a the original four movies its best when it was silly and light and fun. You know, that's what a franchise should be. And this movie was way too serious and up so ass and really boring as a result. So what do I give this movie? Uh, two out of five. I, I just I it's better than some of the DC ones I've seen, but they were more fun to watch. Like Suicide Squad is not a great movie or even good movie, but it's more fun to watch than this movie because of the banter and the and stuff like that. This movie's competently made, it's decent, it's okay, I guess, but it's just really boring to watch. I would not recommend it. I would not advise you watch it. I think they're trying to ignore it as much as possible in the MCU. And yeah, I well, luckily, you know. Up next in terms of the movies is something which is, uh, I remember it being a lot better, and I probably hope so. I'll get to that at the end of the episode, but for foot now, four to two out of five. And I'll be back in a sec with um, a quick review of Agent Carter, episode one. So, what do I know about Agent Carter? Not a lot, really. I know it's uh, uh, kind of a spin-off of Captain America, First Avenger. I know it's an early attempt by DC, uh, Marvel, even, to leverage their um, MCU success. And apparently Kevin Feige, the guy in charge who oversees Marvel Studios and Marvel Cinematic Universe, has strong hand in it. It does seem like Agent Carter's probably their pre-Disney Plus attempt to branch out and do MCU officially vetted shows. I mean, stuff like Agent Shield is kind of loosely in the MCU, but not really involved that much. But Agent Cart seems directly related, although it's also related to Agents of Shield, so God knows. But yeah, I mean, it's, it just makes you think there's lots of things in the MCU they could have done Disney Plus shows, like The War is Free from 4, for example, War is Free and Sith. And Heimdall could probably have their own show. Maybe it would make their characters a bit better because they're all really flat in movies. Um, and a few off bits and bobs, like Howling Commandos from Captain America First Avenger. You know, these characters who could have probably had their own, not super high-budget shows, but decently budgeted and reasonably watchable and diverting. They could have had that and they decided not... Well, they didn't have Disney Plus at times. It's not like they decided not to. It's more like they just didn't have the the opportunity to do it. But anyway, 
Um, I'm going to have a look at watch of the Agent Cart pilot now, and I'll be back in a few minutes or a few seconds, even in your time, to discuss my thoughts on it. So, Agent Car episode one, it's okay. It's not the worst thing that's ever been made. Um, again, the MCU at this point, everything's competent. Everything looks good. Everything's well made, well shot, well acted, reasonably well written, competent. It looks and feels like what it's meant to feel. In this case, it feels like a limited series TV show, but there's certain movie aspects that par out, and it does have the guiding hand of Marvel Cinematic Universe in play. Two of the writers, I've got their names already, but two of the guys who are both seeing Captain America movies writing-wise and later on a lot more Marvel Cinematic Universe are involved in Aiden D. created show under the tutelage of Kevin Feige and Scott Haley Atwell and Scott Flashbats to the events of Captain America and it's also got more Dominic Cooper's Howard Stark which I'll get to in a sec. So clearly some money's been spent on this and it looks and feels like a TV show um, it looks and feels like a very cinematic TV show. There's only one problem. You're watching it and you're thinking, what's what's the end game? And by end game, I mean what what they trying to achieve. And it doesn't really look like there's much that specifically were trying to achieve. Other than let's make a TV show saying Marvel Cinematic Universe we have con- control over. But I mean, fundamentally, here's the problem I have with Agent Carter. Um, the end game is clearly Peggy is one founders of Shield, and along with Howard Stark is one founders of Shield, but they're not the founders of Shield. So they're still working. She's working for the science something reserve, special science reserve, or whatever it's called, and he's a assumed war profiteer or weapon black market weapons dealer. So immediately, I mean, I get what they're going for. They want to build Peggy up into that, but that to me was the interesting part. It was sort of like seeing Peggy as one founding members of Shield. It's interesting seeing Peggy as a maligned um, woman who's treated in very sexist fashion by the assholes of day. Not so interesting. I mean, in some ways it is. I'm watching Morning Show at the moment. And they're dealing with sexual politics and the Me Too movement and stuff like that, which is actually really fascinating to watch, taking what would have been a comedic look at morning news and giving it a bit more weight and angst. But the problem is, if you're going to do that, you need better writing. This is primarily a superhero universe. So the writing's not exactly a game, if that makes any sense. And as a writing's not a game, the talk of sexual politics and Peggy being overlooked isn't giving way it deserves and that's frustrating because Hayley Atwell is genuinely a really good actress Dominic Cooper is a really good actor James Darcy as um Jarvis is a really good actor so you've got some and Lindsay Fonseca is a decent actress so you've got some good actors in this cast who could have done something for that material but they're not given chance because it's a set in the MCU and you have surface level characterization I mean you watch Iron Man 3 and Tony Stark's post-traumatic stress disorder after the Avengers and anxiety. That's interesting. That's a bit more of a shift in character, but it's still resolved with your mechanic won't you bid something and then gets over his PTSD. I mean, there's hints of it, I'm sure, and they're going to be popping up, but it's not really a problem. It's like an episode. It's like you're watching a TV show and there's an episode where a character 
is addicted to cigarettes and then it's rarely mentioned again except for once in a while you know it's we're getting service level characterization but something like peggy carter which is trying to do with weightier themes needs weightier execution you know you need proper dramatic you need i hate saying this because it sounds like a cop out but you need to be gunning for an emmy if you're going to be doing something like this you know you need to be going for the awards you need to be writing with that in mind and that's not a reflection here that way because she does a really good job and god knows she's giving her all to the material it's just if you were going to do a peggy cart spin-off and you were going to be exploring it you just wish it would be handled a bit better it's not like the mandalorian the mandalorian i get the sense that especially with how rise skywalk turned out that mandalorian was the focus of the um lucas arts they realized rise skywalker didn't really work where you want to and they thought we will focus on mandalorian and so we have at least one amazing product come out i think maybe if agent Carter came along nowadays and was pitched to disney plus it'd be a different animal because clearly some of these series like Winter Soldier, Falcon Winter Soldier, Loki, WandaVision, and the like are clearly getting lots of money spent on them and they're going to be quite cinematic affairs. And Agent Cart seems like a hybrid of that. It seems like they wanted to do that equivalent on ABC, but with the way TV's working, you know, you have to make concessions, you have to do app breaks and all that nonsense. Where something like Disney Plus, one best thing about Mandalorian is they can do episodes which are 35 minutes long if they want to, which is great because the episodes don't need to be a specific length. If material doesn't last to that point, don't do an episode, don't drag it out, you know. If the episode's 35 minutes long, don't drag it 40 minutes because it won't be as good. So, yeah, I mean, I. I I enjoy. I. I honestly, I don't think I'll be watching any more Agent Car. It's not a bad show, but I have more than enough I need to watch. And be honest, after the Flash, um, I want to see where Flash goes. Like on Tuesdays, be honest, because that's really messed up. Like what he Barry did in season premiere of season two was messed up. But I'm curious. I want to see how bad it gets in terms of his character. With Peggy Carter, I'm like, I, I, I don't, I'm not going to say that she only works with Captain America. I don't think that's true. She's clearly capable of holding her own in TV show, and she does a decent job for this one. It's just, you know, like, it's, it's serviceable, but that's it, you know. I mean, if they want to bring out on Disney+, Plus, if they want to do a sequel series or something like that, brilliant, awesome, I'd love that. Like, because, I mean... You know, but this just feels like there's an idea and there was a way, sort of way to achieve it, but then they had to make concessions to network suits, where stuff like Mandalorian, I get the impression Lucas theme signs off on it and then just lets them make the damn show. Like, it, like that show feels very much like it's filtered through John Favreau's perspective, whereas this, I don't really get any sense of perspective. No. And I'm sure ABC is hoping for Chris Evans to cameo, despite that it doesn't make any sense, but I mean uh, yeah, there was ways to explore that story of the past of Haley at with Peggy Carter and to show Dominic Stark in a different light because they're both really good parts of Captain America, but this series doesn't really do anything for that. But George like say George something like Disney Plus is this shit can still be canon. They can just, like, do a Disney Plus follow-up at some point. I don't, I don't know. 
Oh no, anyway. But it's, it's watchable. I just, I don't feel I have time to reset and watch that much more of it, unfortunately. So, yeah, so it's Peg Carter episode one. Um, yeah, three out of five. I don't want to give it a bad mark because it wasn't bad. It was just, I wasn't particularly interested. Anyway, I'll be back in the set to preview tomorrow's episode. So stay tuned. Hey, and there's another episode of the Friday Night Frightening Bag. Thanks for listening, as always. It's pretty good this week. I, I'm I'm glad that the um, uh, Combat Calf Cage just seems to be going okay. I know it's not quite horror, but I want you to do something different for May, and you know, there you go. So I'm on long days now. So, but trust me, from June it's going to go back to full on horror content. I'm uh, really going to step up for that. Like I said, for the long days now, I'll be able to do some batch recordings, which be good. Um, tomorrow is going to be Captain America and Winter Soldier, which I'm looking forward to. And because after Agent Carter and Four Two, I think I need to see something that's generally good from Marvel Cinematic Universe. Anyway, until ne- next time, this is Ian Austin signing off. Saying, "Remember, life is beautiful," and I'm sure you are too. I don't know you, but I'm going to assume you have at least in a beauty. Goodbye.